Welcome to Richard Ellis Talks with Richard Ellis. Richard's going to take the next few minutes to share some great words of hope, insight, humor, and relevance. In today's lost and searching world, that's something everyone desperately needs to hear. Speaking of that, we'd love to keep this conversation going with you anytime through our website, richardellistalks.com. In fact, there's so many ways to connect with us from there that you really need to check it out for yourself, richardellistalks.com. But right now, let's go ahead and get things off and running with today's talk. Here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Going Public. Companies go public. You build something, you start some company like a Facebook and... One day it grows and grows, there's an IPO and you launch the thing and hopefully it goes well and you raise billions of dollars and boom, it succeeds. People go public with companies. People go public with illegal or unethical behavior in an office. Something's going on, you can either quit and walk away or you feel some kind of compulsion to say something, to do something, to not just let it go. You have to count the cost because if you go public, there can be repercussions for you could be in the medical field, the business world, whatever it is, but it's a big deal to go public in that environment. Some people go public about their past. I sit a lot of times with people and they share things about their lives and no one, maybe no one, but that person and myself know what happened to them or what they did and you just leave it there. But sometimes people speak up. They go public even with their own lives for the sake of helping someone else. Some people go public about addictions. Finally, they just come out and say, I've got this struggle. I've had someone say something to me this week. Just say it. And there is something about going public, even with an addiction, where you finally just look at another human being and say, look, I am in trouble. And there are people, by the way, in this room and listening beyond here who are in trouble. You are in trouble. And if you do not go public with your struggle and tell at least one other person and begin to move towards some recovery or some help, it is going to escalate or deteriorate into something worse than it is now. I was raised in a system where you didn't tell your stuff, you didn't go public. You were dysfunctional, where you just kept it all in. If a family had problems, you tucked all that into your own house, you closed the doors. When you walked out, you smiled, you put on your uniform, and you went into the world like we didn't have any problems. But at some point, you can't live that way. You have to tell another human being. Now, God is merciful enough that even if you can't tell it, he will help you tell it. And whatever you cover, he will uncover. Whatever you uncover, he will cover. And the way he covers what you uncover is with the blood of Jesus himself. And that is an amazing thing to experience when you finally get there. So some people come out with that, an addiction of some kind. Some people come out with something like sexual harassment. Talked to someone recently on this one. Just something went on. They finally had to speak up. You said, well, you'd be crazy to say that. You'd be crazy to do that. You better count the cost because there are repercussions. And what's interesting in the last however many decades people have gone public with sexuality. And it is fascinating to me how the gay community is almost more passionate about their sexuality than most of the churches about their Christianity. It is almost embarrassing. Because to come out of a closet, to put an equal sign sticker on your car, drive up and down the road, to risk all kind of ridicule, 
It's an amazing thing. You say, well, I'm against that. I'm not asking whether you're against it or not. I'm talking about people who believe in something and are convinced that that's who they are, that's how they were born. People say to me, well, I was just born that way. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing I can do about it. I say, well, yeah, there is. I said, I was born a sinner. The point is not how you were born the first time. You need to be born a second time. And the second birth is what can change your whole life from the inside out. But someone says, you know what, this is what I believe, this is who I believe I am, and I will speak out, I will go public with that. I don't care what the repercussions are, this is who I am. And there are repercussions from doing something like that. At some point as a Christian, you are going to have to go public. And if I followed you to work, and I went into your company one day, you weren't there, and I asked your customers, your vendors, whoever it is you deal with, And I said, tell me about so-and-so. Do you think they have any faith? If that person looks back at me and says, I'm not really sure, you got a problem. You say, well, I don't think you're supposed to be going around saying a bunch of stuff, you should be living it. Let me tell you something. If you're living it, you are saying it. You cannot live the Christian life and sooner or later not speak up. It's not possible. Oh no, but I'm living this godly life. You are not living the godly life you think you are if you never have words that come out to back that up. Because sooner or later, you will need words. Because sooner or later, people aren't just looking for answers, they are listening for answers. They want to know what they do to get what you've got. If he is bothered to come down here and die on a cross, be buried and raised from the dead, and then he is bothered to wait till you were born and his Holy Spirit come touch your heart and your mind and your life and speak to you and say, hey, I did it for you too, and you get that? And then you stuff that down somewhere and say, okay, well, I don't, you know, this is really, my relationship with God is very private. You know, people try that stunt on me. I'm like, whatever, dude. (laughs) Sooner or later, you're going to stand up. You're going to say something. And when God speaks to you in private, at some point, it will become public. And whatever you're doing in private, at some point, it will become public. You say, well, I pray not. Then do something different in private and maybe something different will happen in public. When I hear people speak from the heart about God and claim they've heard something from God, it's usually a direct correlation to whether they have spent any time with him where nobody's looking. At some point, you'll go public. Go to Matthew chapter three. John here, Matthew chapter three, in those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken by the prophet Isaiah saying, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist and his food was locust and wild honey. He's a crazy man. He's not shopping at anywhere you're shopping. He's not shopping. And he's out in the wilderness and he's a crazy man. He's doing what God told him to do though. It would be better to be a crazy man and obey than to be what you are and disobey. So if he tells you to speak up and you lose clients, you spoke up, you came out, you went public with it. It's okay, he'll take care of you. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. If you've really repented, your life will change. Now listen to me a minute. If you think you've repented and nothing is changing, you have not repented. You may be sorry, but you ain't sorry. 
There's a big difference in being sorry and sorry. When you're finally sorry for being sorry, now something's happening. Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance, and do not think to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. And even now the ax is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. That's what John's baptism was about. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. And he's talking about his cousin. Jesus, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. If you get baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire, something is gonna change. His winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you and you're coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it now to be so, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Even Jesus went public and he had not gone public for 30 years, preparing, preparing. And the Holy Spirit said, it's time now. And he goes out to John, his cousin, out in the wilderness, and he's baptized, not because he needed to repent. It's just what God told him to do. And it was a moment when John and everybody else saw and heard the voice of God himself saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And it was game on. Now, let me tell you what's going to happen to you or not. Sooner or later, you will hear the voice of God himself the Holy Spirit in your heart. And that is the only way you're gonna become a Christian. You will hear God declare himself, something's up, something will move, and you'll go, okay, I get this, I gotta respond. Some people tuck that away for decades. And they're carriers. They have this relationship, it wanes, it comes and goes, and at some point, they never go public with a thing. For some people, and some people today, after our service, part of the day are going to be baptized. Some of these people have been Christians for two or three months. Some have been Christians maybe for 20 or 30 years and just never were encouraged or, you know, it just didn't happen. But finally today they are coming out. They're going public. You say, well, they have before. You have to figure out what God defines as going public and do that. And there are certain acts of obedience. There are certain things that if you will just follow through with, it's like hitting one domino that hits into another domino that hits into another domino. And you go, why didn't this stuff all work before? Because he is serious when he says, this is what I'm asking you to do. And you go, oh, I don't want to do that. Then you got a problem with God and you lock up on that one issue. And then you go to pray and say, well, God, I'd give me answers in all this. And he goes, you know what? I've already given you one answer. You need to step it up and do the one thing I've asked you to do. It's in the book. And we go run into all these, who am I supposed to marry? Where am I supposed to live? Go back and say, have I done everything that he asked me to do after I became a Christian? And if you've never been baptized, I can think of a girl right now in a business. I led her to Christ in her own business. She came here for a while. The baptism conversation came up, going up, and she was afraid, and I am not making light of this, where she has locked up on is offending her dead mother out of respect for her mother's religion and some things that happened. So you know what? I get that. 
But at some point, the gospel and God and the truth has to trump even your dead mother. You have to say, is this what God has asked me to do no matter what it costs me? You can go sit down with your mom if she's still living and say, mom, look, I will try to break this down. This is what I've learned. This is what I see. I'm not disrespecting you, but I have to obey God. I have to trust him. I have to follow him no matter what it costs. And I know I might be offending you with this, but my relationship with him is greater than even this. And you'd be amazed how that moves even a mama. Go to Matthew chapter five, and this is Jesus speaking to his followers, and he starts out in Matthew chapter five, let's jump in at verse 14, and he says this to them, you are the light of the world. Now, what is that about? I'm okay with him being the light of the world, but I don't have much light unless I have the light of the world living in me, and now I am the light of the world. If Christ lives in you, you have light. And you cannot go to work, into your family reunions. You can't go anywhere unless the light's not on. But the light can't go out. You can do this, though. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. It lights up. You just look up, everybody sees it. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. You don't light a lamp to put it under a basket. You light a lamp so that it will produce light so you can see but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. If everything is working the way it's supposed to be and your light's on, it's shining, then everything that you do doesn't draw attention to you, it causes people to give glory to God. So ask yourself that question. When you do good for other people, do they end up glorifying God or do they say, oh, you're such a wonderful person? Well, it should be you. You're the light of the world, right? But at some point they realize there's no way you could be this way without the light coming from somewhere else. And then they start looking for the source of that light. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle by no means pass from the law till it is fulfilled. Whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever, look at these two words, does and teaches them, he shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So it's not, the book talks repeatedly about being not just a hearer of the word, but a doer. Go to Matthew 24, 14. Here is some great information why you need to go public as soon as possible. Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. You want out of here? Then start going public. Because the sooner we go public with this and get it out there, then the sooner we get to go home. Why are Christians so heaven-bent, not hell-bent, on taking the gospel all over the planet? Here's part of the motivation. It's not just to reach those people. It's to get out of here already. You say, well, this is a beautiful, great place. Let me tell you something. Once you get to heaven, you're going to wish you'd gotten out a lot quicker. Go to Matthew 28. Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. 
Go, therefore, it could really be translated as you're going. The command here, by the way, is not go. The commandment is make disciples. It's as you're going, make disciples of all nations. So implicit in there is boom, take it to the planet, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things I've commanded you, and lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. That's the deal. As you're going, he doesn't say as you're going, make Christians, make converts, He says, as you're going, make disciples. You can do evangelism without doing discipleship, but you can never do discipleship, true discipleship, without doing evangelism. Because a person who is mature and figures it out, I mean, if you're 15, you have random sex with somebody and they get pregnant, you're like, oh, I didn't know that was gonna happen. Uh, That was not intended. But if you're a mature man, you have a relationship with a woman, you get married and you have a child, you knew going in, if we make a baby, we're probably gonna have to raise the thing, right? That shocks a lot of people, I know, but it's the same thing with sharing your faith. When you lead someone to Christ, you're up, or you're at least responsible for helping get them into somebody's hands. You say, well, who would I introduce them to? I don't even know what to do. Then figure it out. You say, well, how do you figure that out? I've shared this publicly before. I didn't get this so much I wanted to die. I couldn't kill myself. I begged God to kill me, and then I couldn't do it. He wouldn't do it. So I said, okay, if you're going to leave me down here, you better send me some help. And I got up in his face as close as I could get because I was hot. I'm sick of reading about joy and having no joy. I'm sick of reading about peace and having no peace. I'm sick of this thing. I don't like this book because I can't make it work. You better send me some help if you're gonna leave me down here. And I stayed after him. The problem is there's very little help out there. Finally had to find some bald-headed guy from Mississippi, never, didn't even know an orthodontist, I'm sure. And that old man took me on and raised me and helped me where I could help somebody else. You say, well, nobody showed up for me. Don't quit asking. And when you see it in somebody, whatever that thing is, you see it and go, you know what? I think that guy's got something I've been looking for. Then go ask him. And God have mercy on them if they don't help you. But you'd be shocked. They'll help you. You say, well, someone's got to be willing. Part of that equation is you have to be willing. You have to be willing to grow up. You have to be willing to take responsibility for your life and what God has intended for you to do, and these things are not just written in here so you can be some conservative right-wing lunatic. Oh, I'm all about the world. You know, whatever, quit wagging your fist and do something. Here's what's gonna make you nuts. You're gonna drop dead or Jesus is gonna come back and you're gonna be standing there and then it's just like that, you're gonna go, oh my gosh, that's what could have happened. He's like, yeah, that's what could have happened. Like you were living in me. Like, yeah, I was living in you. Like all authority that you had, Jesus, I had, yeah, that's what that thing said. What do you think that meant? All authority is all authority. So as you're going, do this thing. What did he say? Make disciples and then baptize them. That's how you go public. It seems like a silly little thing. It's just what he said to do. Go to Acts chapter two. The church has been born. Peter gets up and speaks. Go down to verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? 
Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. Then those who gladly received his words were baptized and that day about 3,000 souls were added. Gosh, that logistically in itself what do you do with that? Start dunking people, I guess. But immediately this happens. Acts 20, Acts 20, verse 18. And when they had come to him, he said to them, you know, from the first day that I came from Asia in what manner I always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility and with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, how I kept back nothing that was helpful but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Publicly, house to house. I call that the Acts 2020 vision. Publicly and from house to house. So this is somewhat public, but you have ways of doing your deal somewhat public. You say, well, how do I do this? I'm not saying do random things. But you pray about it and you say, Lord, I'm willing. I work in an office. I live in a neighborhood. I'm up. This is where you have placed me. So what is going on? What am I supposed to do? And you pray and he will tell you. I promise you he will let you know. If you are willing to go public, he will help you do it. He will fund you going public. It may be your neighbors. It may be something as simple as going next door and knocking on your neighbor's door who you've lived next to, some mean old person maybe, but it's time to go say hello and you engage your neighborhood. Nobody does this anymore much, it may be time. Maybe you open your home for a prayer deal, a Bible study. Some people go up and down their street, knock on the door with a yellow pad and say, I've lived down here for 20 years, I claim to be a Christian, I've never even spoken to you. Is there anything that my family can pray for your family about? I don't want anything, I'm not inviting you to anything. What's going on with you that I could pray for you about? I'm trying to demonstrate I may be 20 years late, but I'm trying to tell you I actually care. Maybe you go to work and all he says is, go at lunch somewhere in a quiet place and pray for your office, just you. And then you pray and say, Lord, if there's anybody else and you meet another Christian, you say, hey, I've been praying over here in this you know, broom closet or whatever it is you find for six months, you want to join me. And they join you. And then boom, it comes. And then all of a sudden you got a Bible study. And all of a sudden you're sending notes to people in your office whose mother dies and there's ministry taking place. And you're not violating any law or going to get fired. And if you do, hallelujah, you did something already. You say, that's crazy stuff. Crazy stuff is having all this information, hearing it your whole life and sitting on your butt and Jesus coming and nothing happening. That's crazy stuff. We'll get back to Richard in a moment to close out today's talk. But first, I want to share something about our program. Our mission is actually very simple, to take the planet. So it's our prayer that these daily talks from Richard aren't something you only hear and enjoy, but that they inspire you to share with others. Together, we can do this. The message of the gospel is something everyone needs to hear, and that's why it's such a priority to us. So join us in this important mission. Call us at 855-6-RICHARD to say you're in. Or you can get on board with us through our website, richardellistalks.com. Well, here's Richard with some closing thoughts for us. Straight is the gate, narrow is the way, and few there be that find it, but the few that find it change the stinking world. Change the world. 
and you're either one of those or you're not. And for you, it may just be doing something like getting baptized. Then just do it. Stop arguing. You're not even arguing with me. You're arguing with the book. Just do it. Follow him and see what the next thing is and the next thing is. And keep obeying. Keep trusting and see what he can do with you. I was at a birthday party last night for a 40-year-old guy down in the hood. And she said, well, why did you go to the birthday party? Because I was invited. And I got in a high rise over kind of by North Park Mall, not where any of these people were from. I kind of jokingly said, I think we probably ought to get out of here before it gets dark, you know, because it might not be safe up in here for all of us. It wasn't the crew that lives in that area. And I got in there and I looked around the room and I thought, how would this happen? Because most of the people in there are from the hood and the guy who put it all together, his girlfriend lives in the building and it was a beautiful deal out by the pool and great food. And I thought, you know, how did this happen? It's traceable to individual obedience. And one man takes a stand and says, me, my house, we will serve the Lord. And we will go anywhere and do anything, speak, be quiet, give, whatever we're supposed to do. It's all you, God. Knock yourself out. Use me. And that one guy says, I'm in, and takes a stand and starts to serve. Then some other guy sees that and goes, well, I ain't staying back here. And he says, I'm in too. And then he starts doing that. And last night was a result of one guy who stood up and obeyed. And now there's relationship and changing lives. And he could never go back where he came from because it's too fun serving Jesus. You say, well, what if I'm poor? You can be really poor and be really rich at the same time. You've been listening to Richard Ellis Talks. We really appreciate that you've spent this time with us, but we want to keep the conversation going with you. A couple of ways you can connect with us is by giving us a call anytime at 855-6-RICHARD. That's 855-6-RICHARD. Another way is through our website, richardellistalks.com. You can email us, sign up to get the daily talks sent to your phone each day, write on the prayer wall where we can pray for you, or even stay in touch through our Facebook page at Talk with Richard. We love bringing you the program every day, but it means even more to us when you let us know how the program has helped you. So call 855-6-RICHARD or connect with us at our website, richardellistalks.com. Finally, if you enjoy the program, let us know by your generous support. It would really mean a lot to us. richardellistalks.com. So until next time, have a great day and thank you for listening to Richard Ellis Talks.